morning. My name is Dave Sherwood. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. Welcome you to the teaching part of our worship service. Um, if you uh, haven't been here uh, before, we welcome you. Um, we are finishing up a series called The Pursuit of Happiness, and then next week we'll be starting a, a series kind of about your identity, your life purpose. So kind of have all that in mind. Um, and some of you, you're, you're here today, and you don't know if you believe anything. Okay, so, so they're pretty much everybody at some point in time, right? You walk into church and you're like, I wonder if God is. I wonder if he's there. And so when we pray here in a minute, I would encourage you to just be honest with God just that way. And just reach out and say, God, my mind is here. My heart is here. I'm kind of just poking around. Show up. Move. Teach. Guide me. Uh, some people here um, are on extended leave from God. AWOL. A lot of us in this room, we understand. You <clears throat> went to Vegas and never came back. Um, so here's the thing. You've got to remember the stories of God. And so there's the story of the prodigal son, and, and he kind of runs away from his father, his good father. And when he finally decides to come home, the father is not waiting to give him, like, the, the hammer. He runs down the hill to embrace his child that has returned. And so remember to keep that in mind. Don't, you don't want to come in here with a sense of shame and being overwhelmed. You just want to open yourself up to God's forgiveness and love and restoration. For the rest of us, we're in all kinds of different places, and we just want to open our hearts and our minds to whatever God wants to do today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the teaching. If you'll shut your eyes and bow your heads and just follow along inside as I speak words. Father, we come to you. And Father, we come to you from all kinds of different places. Some of us don't know if you're real at all. And we're trying to search in the darkness for a spark from you. Father, some of us have run far away. And you know. And we know what it's like to be far away and to finally decide we've had enough and to come home. And Father, would you embrace the heart and the mind of your child that has wandered away? You know where each of us are, God. We need your Holy Spirit. We need your word to guide us down the pathways that you would have for us today. And we pray that you would use your scripture and your spirit to teach us, to draw us to yourself. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus the Christ and all God's people said, amen. Okay, so um, I want you to think about a video game. And you may not care about video games, may not like video games. But here's the uh, idea of a video game. So this person has created this video game that you can then kind of enter into and do all kinds of different things. Now, there's a couple of questions. How, how does the person that, that created a video game, how are they happy? Like, what, what would make a video game creator happy? Well, obviously, some of it is if they get to charge something and they, and they get some money. But let me be just way more simple than that. They, they would... Be happy if you actually played the game. How would you be happy in the video game? Well, you've got to be in the game long enough to get kind of skilled at it so you're not just dying every two seconds and so that you can find some of the cool little Easter eggs, the treasures in it and stuff like that and get, get really good at it and then, and then the game's really dynamic. Where are you going, Dave? Where I'm going is simply this. God designed the game. All of creation. He, he designed all of it. A couple of questions. One, are we actually playing the game? What do you mean? No, you may be trapped in the game. You, you may be a glitch, just banging your head against some brick wall, getting shot every five seconds. 
Are you really playing the game? All the stuff that he's got for you in the game, is that happening? Because there's a joy when you get good at anything. Okay, archery, knitting, welding, working on a car, you, you pick it. There's a pleasure that comes, there's a happiness that comes from when you get really good at it. And then curiously, I want you to think about something else. There's a, a, a pleasure that comes from it when you get really good at something and it's not just about you anymore. I'll explain that as we clip along. It says this in Genesis 1, 27. It says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, let me be Captain Obvious. God says that he created stuff. Now, that we knew, maybe. You can even be just kind of a vague kind of theist or deist, and you can think, well, God made everything. But I want you to notice what's going on uniquely in this verse. Yeah, the rocks and the trees, and yeah, the animals. But you know what? Everything is kind of locked into kind of itself, and it's, or it's trapped by like instinct and DNA and coding. But then there's this unique thing that God makes. The only thing that he makes in his image, consciousness, sentience, the ability to have imagination, this thing that's made like him in very unique ways. Now, again, I want you to notice, if there's this God who's really creative, who's creating all these really dynamic things, and then he makes someone who's in his image, do you think that those people are creative too? That we're like God in lots of ways, being able to think, use imagination, all kinds of things. But we're also unique in that we have this freedom to be creative. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, where is that going, Pastor Dave? We're in a series about happiness, and I'm going to talk about creativity. I'm going to talk about creative people. And you might be thinking, in your mind, you might be going, okay, in my mind, I'm thinking through, I'm not one of those. Like, I don't fit that category. You run through in your mind the Excel spreadsheet of all the attributes of what creative people are like, and and you don't make that cut. But here's the deal that I want you to think about. Actually, you do make that cut. You have to make that cut because of the nature of reality. What do I mean? I mean, every day you're saying words and you're creating. Every day you're doing things. Every day you're thinking things and feeling things. Every day you are creating a poem with the way you think and feel and speak. Every day you're creating some sort of masterpiece. You're creating some sort of sculpture by just the way you engage. The only question is, are you doing that intentionally? Are you doing that with your creator? What, what is it that you are creating. This verse, if it says nothing else, is it says that you were designed to be creative because you were made in the creator's image. And the next verse that I've got for you, I want you to be thinking about that plus one more thing. It says this in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. There's a lot going on there. One is, 
We are his workmanship. So it's not just that he created us. He kind of just started everything up and let it go. But we continue to be his workmanship. Jesus is constantly tweaking and recreating us into more. But then it also says this, that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared ahead of time. That you were made not just to kind of be creative. You are destined to be creative and to be deployed in creativity through good work. Do you know that? I mean, have you sat down and said, God, why did you create me? Am I, am, I, am I significant? Did you make one of me and it was one and done? There's never going to be another one just like me. And do you really have a plan for how I'm to be deployed in the world? Do you, it, it says that beforehand you prepared stuff. Is there like a destiny for my life? And scripture would infer yes. That God made you for a specific, maybe multiple, reasons. The question becomes, do we, come on, do we come online to those or do we not? Are we a glitch in the video game, just mindlessly doing the same thing, or do we ever actually get good at things? In my case, I'd be the last person that you'd expect to be kind of a preacher. A non-Christian home, a um, little bit introverted, socially awkward. I was 13 years old. I was delivering newspapers in Buffalo, New York, in a blizzard. My dad felt sorry for me on Sundays that this happened. We didn't go to church or anything. So I'm delivering these papers, and when the snow was really bad, my dad would jump in the car and he would drive me around. And we jumped into the car this one Sunday to deliver those newspapers that were that thick. And um, we couldn't get anything on the radio for some reason. The only thing we could get was a sermon. We weren't a religious family, but we had this sermon playing. And I'm out delivering the newspapers. And I can tell you, because it's so weird, I can tell you exactly the street that I was on. And I can still to this day see the exact house. I got out of the car with the newspaper and I'm walking towards the house. And I have this thought hit my mind, someday you'll do this speaking back to the guy that's preaching on the radio. And I remember thinking, even as a 13-year-old, that's the stupidest thing in the, I've ever heard in my life. I don't believe in any of this stuff. We're not that sort of people. Why in the world would I think that? And yet, I remember it to this day. Why? Because I believe that God is whispering to every single one of us something about who we are and what our destiny is. He's trying to pull us out of what? The automation of the world. The little system of just going to work and just going to school and mindlessly being trapped on Netflix and on the internet and TikTok videos and everything else. He's trying to pull us out of that into something richer and more dynamic. Let me give you another kind of curveball about thinking about things. In Psalm 118, 24, it says this. It says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I want you to notice a few things. This is the day that the Lord has made. There's a distinctive. It's not just, hey, God created time and all these days just sort of, you know, run out from God having created this. It's not just this deist, theist idea that God kind of made everything, wound it all up, and then backed off. It's that today God made. He's creative today. He's in the middle of today. 
with opportunities, with wisdom, with insight. His Holy Spirit is present in the day. But then notice the other part that's going on with this verse. This is the day the Lord has made it. It's it's got all those unique components to it that I talked about. But then there's choice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Are we aware he made today? Are we engaging the opportunities of today? Are we kind of going, hey, there's a fullness and a richness to your design, your interventions in today. Am I awake, alive, online to that? Or do I not rejoice and I'm not glad in it because I'm offline from what God's doing right now? But that's only half of the equation. The other half of the equation I want you to think about uniquely as well. If God is uniquely making this day, and we have a choice whether we can be glad and rejoice in it, if we're made in his image, guess who gets to be co-conspirators in making this day? Co-authors in making this day. Think about this. That this is the day which you are making. And how can you help others rejoice And be glad in it. If you hearken back to the previous verse, why is God creating all this stuff? What is he he trying to do? He's he's made these people in his own image, and he's trying to create joy and hope and meaning. And he's got this really cool design, this really dynamic thing going on. And then every single day, the question becomes, are we entering into that and catalyzing that and making that happen ourselves? Or we disengaged and exited from God's way of doing things. What would it mean to wake up in the morning and to go, okay, this is a day, God's making cool stuff in it, but also this is a day I get to make cool stuff in it. How can I get my wife, my kids, my boss, my coworkers, my neighbors, what can I do to get them to rejoice and be glad in it? Now we have a tendency to look at today as my day, to make myself happy. And we've already talked about in this series a lot about how all the things that are kind of out there are kind of in the, the way the world does things constantly are promising happiness and our depression rates and our suicide rates and our medication rates are going through the roof. And so we come back to maybe God's way of doing things and God's way of doing things is very different because he says to do things that seem opposite. One of those things that's opposite is bring happiness to others. Don't think about just yourself. Think about bringing happiness to others. Be extraordinarily intentional about that. Why? Because that's the way God is, as we'll see in some coming verses, but also because it'll splash back on you. What do I mean? I mean, if I do something that's over the top for my wife, if I do something over the top for my kids, do something over the top for my neighbors, if I'm intentional towards my boss, my coworkers, whatever, not only does it have the chance to make them happy, But just making them happy, intentionally being creative towards them, makes me happy. And all of a sudden I realized that the way I was designed by God and deployed by God and destined by God wasn't just for me. It was for others. Maybe that's the way it should happen. What happens to sabotage it, though, is an open question. If there's this person who's made by God and this person that Jesus is kind of doing this workmanship in, who he wants to deploy out into the world to be transformative in the world, then what in the world gets in the way? Well, a lot of things get in the way. This would be a short list here in a second. Psalm 1-1. How blessed is the man who does not. These are a few things that a blessed person does not do. They don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. They don't stand in the path of sinners. 
nor do they sit in the seat of the scoffers. What's this psalm about? The psalm is about the opposite of the creatives. See, there's these people that want to create. They want to create compassion, peace, joy, hope, justice. And then there's the destroyers, the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers. The people that mock everybody, tear everything down, constantly have something snooty to say. And it destroys creativity. Which one am I? Which one are you? How am I handling the obstacles to creativity? Because I know that God wants to do this dynamic thing through me, through us. But I'm going to have to overcome some very specific obstacles to get there. These are some of them. Obstacles to creativity, first of all, is criticism. Not just from others, from yourself. I'm not a good enough cook. I'm not a good enough this. I'm not a good enough that. And so we we criticize and criticize and criticize, and we shut down our creativity. Have you done that? Or cowardice? I'm afraid to take that risk. I'm afraid to do that thing. I'm afraid to say those words. I'm afraid to... And our cowardice stops us from being creative. Sometimes it's just confusion. There's a, a million options about what to do with my time. I, 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 you know, I'm on Netflix for two hours a day, and I'm on the internet screen time for two hours a day, and, and I, I've got this project and that project, and I've got a side job and everything else. And so I, I, I've just got this wad of confusion about what my life is because I'm not spending any time in quietude listening to God finding his voice for what my life was shaped to be fourth is comparison there's this funny little moment in um, the gospels after Jesus has died and been resurrected he's having a conversation with Peter and he's saying Peter this is what your destiny is this is what your future is and Peter's listening to all of this and he sees John and he he says to Jesus what about John and Jesus says to Peter what I'm doing with John is none of your business Peter how is that relevant well here's how it's relevant I'm up here preaching I want to get good at preaching, which means that I listen to good preachers. I worked at a megachurch that's got tens of thousands of people going to it. Pastor's name is Craig Groeschel's. Sermons are 10 out of 10. Why why should I bother preaching? I'm never going to preach as good as that. I've listened to sermons online. I'll never never preach at that level. I, I, I just close up shop. And can you start to see all the different ways that creativity just gets choked out of our lives? Criticism, cowardice, confusion, and comparison. God wants to do this creative thing within and through you out into the world. And there's this war back and forth about whether it's going to bloom or whether it's going to die. In Exodus 35, 30 through 35, it says kind of an interesting thing. It says that there's this this guy. And it says... Moses told the Israelites, see, God has selected, and there's this guy's name, Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And what's this guy? He's, he's filled with the Spirit of God and with skill and ability and know-how for making all sorts of things to design and work in gold and silver 
and bronze, to carve stones and to set them, to carve wood, working in every kind of skilled craft. Now, why does this matter? Well, we have a tendency to look at our Bibles every now and then. Who are the heroes? Well, it's David, or it's Abraham, or it's Moses. And so, you know, those are kind of the the storylines that God had. These are the A-plus storylines. And then me, I'm nobody. I I just didn't get an A-plus storyline. Don't ever, 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 ever think that way. Jesus talks to crowds and he says, every hair on your head is numbered. Every single one of you is unique. God wants to be with you throughout all of eternity. God doesn't make any junk. I'm not trying to inflate your ego. I'm trying to help make sure you don't blasphemy by having the wrong view of yourself. You're made in his image. What does that mean? Well, in this guy's case, he's really good at some stuff that we have a tendency as church religious folk to not realize is extraordinarily important. What are you really good at? Maybe you're really good at brewing something. Maybe you're really good at sewing. Maybe you're really good at fixing cars. Maybe you're highly skilled at all sorts of things, and you thought it was just a skill you had, but actually it's a fusion of skill that you had and God. And what would it look like if instead of those things just being sort of your hobbies, this could have been all of his hobbies instead of his using them to dedicate for the people of Israel. He could have just kept these all as hobbies, but he doesn't. He he gives them to other people. What would it be like if your hobbies aren't just for you? Let me give you some examples. There's this guy I knew in Texas. He ran a mechanic shop to fix cars. And as he's clipping along, fixing cars, he comes to the realization, you know, there's a lot of single moms out there that need their cars fixed, and their income you know, bracket is pretty skinny. And so what he does is he hadn't worked on Saturdays or Sundays, but he opens up the shop on Saturdays for single mom Saturdays to just fix single mom cars on Saturdays. Because this shop and his skills, he wants to sanctify, which is just a fancy way of saying he wants to set those things aside for God to use. And so he sets aside his skills in his garage for God to use. And people hear about this. They start going to his garage just because that's such a cool idea. They start coming to the garage and they start leaving money. Here's an extra 50 bucks. Next time there's a single mom who needs something and you can't take it. And all of a sudden, there's this magical thing of the kingdom of God happening. It isn't some church program. It's just some guy. There's another guy I met who, what he does is he shows up at the homeless shelter every other weekend on Friday night. And what does he do? Haircuts for the homeless. He's a barber by trade. He shows up at the homeless shelter. What does he do? He dedicates his gifts creatively to go do something out in the world that brings happiness and joy to others. Does it bring happiness and joy to him? Yeah, it does. What can you do? I met a woman once when I was at the container store. It's a fancy, schmancy retail store. And I was working kind of part-time at it just to make some extra money. And I met this lady, and this lady, she was just a lady that you could tell was rich. I don't know how else to describe it. She had rings on her fingers and the clothes that she wore. So I was kind of confused, like, why are you working here? Because, you know, it's just kind of an hourly job. And, and she was a little bit older, and I just couldn't figure out. So we were talking one day, and she starts t- telling me about working there. And I'm like, well, wh- why are you working there? And she says, well, I'm making money, and all the money that I make 
I'm giving to a missionary. And I'm like, all right, that, I mean, that's cool. I, I like that. But I mean, what, it sounds like you've got enough money that you could just like give the money to the missionary. And she's like, yeah, I could. And I'm like, well, why do you? She says, I want to be a part of it. I don't want to just write a check. I, I want to go put in the hours and the time and give those hours and time to God and then God to give it to this. And I was just mesmerized. What does it mean to get up in the morning and to think this way, to think about how can I give haircuts to the homeless, to think about how can I use my knitting, to think about how can I do my cooking, how can I use hospitality, how can I use my computer programming, how can I use it to go make other lives rejoice and be glad in it? And what would it look like to live a life that way? Where you're constantly engaging the world and trying to bring it happiness. And the surprise is it splashes back for happiness for you. Mark 10.45 says this. Jesus, speaking about himself, says this. For even the Son of Man, he didn't come to get served, but to serve and to give. His life is a ransom for many. It's interesting. There's a, another corollary verse. It, it says this about Jesus. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Okay, what, what was the happy thought in front of him that he was willing to face the cross? Guess what the happy thought, the joy set before him was? It was you. His dying on a cross for you, brought him joy. His sacrificial servanthood brought joy to himself. Do we think that way? Do we think about how can I be a servant? How can I be sacrificial for other people? Do we walk in the model, the template of what Jesus is saying to do in being a servant to all, to going the second mile, to turning the other cheek, to function as, as seeds of the kingdom, of a different way of thinking and seeing and engaging life than the rest of the world. The rest of the world is in this little video game and they're mindlessly doing the same things, but they're not free, they're not creative, they're not... And you can be. It depends so much on how you see yourself. Do you think that God made you utterly unique and that there's these incredible things that you can go do out in the world that are going to make a difference. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, I can't really make a difference. The verse that I'm about to show you, I, I saw it early in the week, and I said, that doesn't fit the sermon. But I'm going to talk about it, because I want you to think about it. It says this in Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see a man? you see a person who's skilled in their work? That person, he will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. What does that mean? Well, the reason I dismissed it is for, for you know, kind of kept in obvious reasons. I don't have the skill level of anything that's going to put me in front of a king, so it must not really be for me. But here's the thing. Proverbs are for everybody. This isn't a promise for just some exceptional person out there, it's a promise that functions differently than that. It's a promise that basically says this, you see a person who's really skilled at something, basically it's saying, God's not going to waste that. It's going to be used significantly. There's a guy named Howard Hendricks. You're not going to know his name probably. He taught at the seminary that I went to. He was really famous at one point in time. He um, 
wrote a bunch of books, mentored and trained a lot of famous pastors and preachers. He stood before kings. But the interesting thing is this. How did Howard Hendricks become a Christian? He wasn't raised in a Christian home. Destitute, pretty much, out on the streets in Chicago. And he's outside playing with a bunch of other kids that are about six, seven years age, out playing in the gutters. And this guy walks down the street and says, do you guys want to shoot marbles? Because that was a thing back in the day. And they say, yeah. So he, he's got this bag of marbles. He gets out the bag of marbles, and he's shooting marbles with them. And when he's done shooting marbles with them, he says, hey, guys, you know what? Why don't you guys, you guys just keep the bag of marbles? Um, but you know what? I, I, I teach kind of this Sunday school class at the church just down the road. And um, I'd love to, t- and I teach the guys your age. So if you guys want to come down sometime, and I'll make sure I bring some more marbles, and you guys can have some more marbles. And here's my point. My point is, wow, how in the world did somebody, you know, like Howard Hendricks, how did they become a Christian? Just because some guy walked the streets, shared his marbles in a couple of minutes with people. Howard Hendricks changed my life forever and thousands others. And that guy just thought he was shooting marbles. What does it mean for you to take your gifts and to go serve? And it's not always going to necessarily create something like Howard Hendricks, but, but here's, here's the point. It doesn't matter that it does. It's significant to God. It's glorious to God. It's when he goes, yes and amen. It's when he has fun. It went, it's when you're actually entering into the game the way you were supposed to, as opposed to mindlessly just coming at church, mouthing the words through worship, and being on autopilot. It's when you finally break loose into the adventure of what it could and should be to be a follower of Christ. There's a term I learned from Howard Hendricks, The term is, the enemy of the great is the good. If you're going to be great at something, if you're going to make impact, you've got to exit lots of things that are good in your life. You have to bring focus. When it talked about a man who's skilled at something is going to have an impact point, get skilled. Get really good at compassion. Get really good at listening. Get really good at counseling. Get really good at giving haircuts. Get really good at being a nurse. Get really good at something. And then ask God as you're constantly scanning the horizon, how do you want to deploy me? in the world to make a difference. So the applications would be this. Ask God why you were created. Why did, he, why did you make me? Ask him over and over again. Why did you make me? Secondly, list out all the things that you're good at creating. You might not be great at it yet, but just good at it. The things that you know that could be hobbies, they'd be fun, they'd be dynamic. List those out. And then there's a fancy word I'm going to say, sanctify those things for others. What does it mean to sanctify? It means you take those things that you're really good at and you sanctify means to set them apart for a holy purpose. So my hobbies aren't just for me anymore. Maybe my hobbies are to change the world. One person at a time. And so you start saying my garage or my tools or my sewing machine or my crock pot or my... What, all of these things, are, they're not just for me and my family. They're for the world. Number four, decide who it is that's supposed to get these gifts. Network as needed. 
It may take a while to figure out. You know, you might say, I, I, you know, I, can, I can cut hair, but how, how do I cut the hair of the homeless? It's going to be weird walking around with an extension cord going, can I cut your hair? That's just strange. Maybe you've got to network, get to know the homeless shelter so that you can figure out a way to get deployed. Maybe it's going to take some time, but you want to be figuring out who is it that I'm supposed to serve and then make it happen. All kidding aside, people wonder all the time, where did hospitals come from? Hospitals came from Christians taking the story of the Good Samaritan seriously. Where did orphanages come from? It, it, it came from people taking seriously the fact that we're supposed to take care of orphans. And so Christians got together going, aha, I see this thing that God wants us to do. How can we be creative? Sometimes you can't pull it off by yourself. You have to get together with other people. And then these things come into reality. Number five, set aside time for those things. Where does the rubber hit the road in everybody's life? Two places, your money, your time. If you don't set aside time for this, it will never happen. It's too vague. But if you get pointed about it, you ask God, you start getting specific, you start isolating what your strengths are, you start recognizing who you're supposed to deploy them to, then you've got to set aside time to make that happen. Otherwise, it's just a pipe dream. And then last, engage what you were created for with joy. With joy. Why do I say with joy? Because here's the deal. You can engage anything and be miserable. I know. I'm a New Yorker. I was built to mock and scoff everything. It's my birthday. It's not, my, it's not, it's not the right cake. There's not enough candles. I didn't get the presents that I wanted to. Blah, 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 blah. Children's ministry, youth ministry, being an usher, being a greeter. I can do those things and say, you know, I'm going through the motions. God wanted me to volunteer for these things. I'm going to do it because I don't want to feel guilty and ashamed. Or you can say, nah, I get to be a greeter. I get to be an usher. I get to work with junior high. I get to go to assisted living. I get to help the homeless. I get to, I get to, I, this is awesome. I get, I get adventures. It's totally up to you which one you do. I get to go to school. You may go, what, are you kidding me? The whole world of people that are illiterate, they would give their left arm to go to school. You get to go to school. Well, you don't know about my job. I don't know about your job. I do know what it's like to be unemployed and to be terrified. You get to go to a job. And more than that, not, not that you should change the world. You get to change the world. And all you have to do is open yourself up to that being what your life is all about. And happiness will flood in, in the weirdness of you not being selfish, but being a servant of selflessness. And that's one of the most ironic jokes in the gospel. Let me pray. Father God, we come to you. We look at your son. And we look at your son spilling out his life for the sake of other people. We look at your son saying that the joy set before him was us. And Father, we're scrambling to try to be happy, and, and you know we've tried all the wrong doors. God, would you show us the right doors? Would you show us the doorways to servanthood? Would you show us the doorways to selflessness? Would you show us the doorways to having skill? so that we can be used in significant ways to change the world. God, we thank you that you made each one of us, that each one of us matter. Help us to realize how true that really is.
We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus the Christ and all God's people said.